0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rock Your Brand podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into a strategy where we're going to be able to get our first 100 sales on Etsy. I'm going to be showing you what you can do step by step. There's actually seven steps, but they're very, very small steps, and we're going to be breaking them down. One of the hardest things for Etsy sellers, I think in the very, very beginning is to get their first set of sales. And once you get those sales, it really turns something on in your, in your head or in your mindset that says, wow, someone just paid me, someone I don't know paid me. And it really does give you a little more, well, positive energy. Because now it's like, okay, this thing really works. It's not just someone else. But the problem sometimes is, well, you get that first sale, second sale, and you're like, was that just luck? And so then what we want to do is prove that we can get more sales. And that's why I think using 100 sales is a really good marker. And I think we all should have markers. And I think your first 100 sales is probably one that will allow you to get some momentum. All right. So that's what we're going to be sharing and we're going to be discussing here on this episode. So, Chris, with that all being said, I know we've got a few other topics. We've got some newsworthy topics um, that we're going to be talking about, some big moves that Etsy has made that's going to affect Etsy sellers and hopefully Etsy sales. Um, so, we're going to be talking about them here in a little bit, but we're going to kick this thing off by talking about getting your first hundred sales. So, Chris. Did I tee that up okay? Uh, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything that you wanted to add before we dive into step number one in this strategy? I think
1: I think the thing is, Scott, you said seven little steps. I think they are, you know, they're they're important, but they are little baby steps, right? They're little things along the way that you need to be doing if you really want to maximize this. And if we're talking about getting the first hundred sales with the general advice that you and I give, that also means, Scott, that they're probably getting to around $1,000 in profit which really is that number, and you alluded to this a minute ago, that number, that things start to become real. So if you're focusing on this, if you're doing these seven things, not only are you going to get to that 100 that sale mark, but you're going to get roughly to that $1,000 profit mark. And that is where things start to feel like, one, they're real, and two, that this is something that you can continue to grow and sell. And I know we've done a lot of Etsy shop audits over the last few weeks, And that, I think, is the biggest struggle for people that I'm seeing is getting that consistent success. And if we can get you to those first 100 sales, then once you're at that point, you can kind of scale to your heart's content. So I'm ready to jump in if you are. I know these seven things, we've talked about some of them, not necessarily always in this order, in this organization, but these seven things are going to be the thing that not only lead to that first 100 sales, but that first $1,000 and that feeling that this is something that you can make happen over the long term.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before we do jump in though, uh, I did want to ask how many of you or you in as an individual, as, as you selling on, on Etsy, how many of you have reached the hundred sale mark? I'm just curious. Um, just put yes or no in the comments just so we can kind of get a gauge as far as, uh, you know, where you are and if you've hit that milestone. So we would really be interested to see that as well. The other thing I did is I wanted to give a little, uh, well, a little shout out here. To Anoush, who is here with us, I believe, today on this live stream, but she was the first brave soul to uh, go through one of our Etsy shop audits that aired last week. If you missed that episode, we'll drop that down in the description once this is, uh, well, once this is published and not just a live stream, but uh, really, really good feedback from these Etsy shop audits. And uh, we've got more coming. We've got another one that's going to be released tomorrow. We've got one that's going to be released every week. But here's the thing I wanted to mention. We actually pre-record these. We batch record these. And we have a backstage pass club that sits in on these live streams that we do privately where Chris and I will do three to four Etsy shop audits. And this is where our club can ask questions as we're going through this. If you are interested in joining our Backstage Pass Club, well, all you need to do is head on over to brandcreators.com forward slash club. And Chris, if you would throw that up on the screen, that would be amazing. So that way there are people that are watching can see it very easily. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really cool thing. We're having a great time in there and, uh, we're getting a lot of great feedback from these sessions as well, because the Q and a is not published publicly. It's inside for our club members, but the audits are published publicly, but they're spread out week by week. Um, so this way here, we batch record these in these private sessions. If you're interested, we'd love to have you. It's under 10 bucks to join for the month. So, if you want to join us, we'd love to have you. All right. So, with that being said, Chris, I am going to pull up my notes because I always like to be somewhat prepared. Um all right. So, the very first thing, the very first step in getting your first 100 sales on Etsy in 2024 is and you probably already, well, you probably already know what I'm going to say, is you need to make sure that you have products that are in demand and you have to first start with the niche. So what we like to do is we like to number one, know that the niche has products, not just one product that products that can be sold and will be sold throughout the year. Okay. So they're more like an evergreen type product, but the big kicker here is, is, and again, if I'm giving advice for someone that's starting from scratch and they want to hit their first hundred sales. Okay. What I would like to see you do is do product research, find the products that give you the demand that you're looking for. Now, here's what I mean. Everyone has a different target. We're looking at 100 sales. And I would say, let's say 100 sales in the next 30 days, okay, after you get your products launched, by the way. So then what we need to do is we need to reverse that math and we need to say, okay, how many is that per day, right? So Chris, can you do some rough math for me? But uh, I, I'm going to do some on the fly myself. It's like three point something would be sales per day in a, in a 30 day. Is that right? Or no, that would be, you mean to, that. That to get to a
1: hundred in a month.
0: Yeah. Like three yeah, point I mean, something, right? 3.3, 3, right?
1: Uh, All right, let's call by, it four
0: sales a day, right? Let, let's yes. call it four sales a day. We'll round up and get a little more than a hundred. But if that's the case, we have to then figure out, okay, how, how much profit are we going to make if we're looking at net, right? If we're looking at net now in the very beginning, I'm not sure that I would care about net. I'd care more about the sale. And the reason why is because if we get sales, we start to get seasoned. Our account starts to get seasoned within Etsy. And then the other sales, the other hundred that we're going to be getting and the next hundred that we're going to be getting is going to be a lot easier. We're going to get reviews. We're going to really start the flywheel happening. So if you're only going after the, the net profit, That's fine, but when we're doing this this launch for these products and when we're looking at getting these 100 sales, in the very beginning, I'm not looking at it as I'm going to make a lot of money on those 100 sales, okay? So what I would do, though, is I would say, okay, the number is 100. I need to sell four per day. Then what I need to do is take that number and I need to say, okay, the products that I'm looking at that I want to sell... Is there enough demand on these products? If we were just to look at one product, that means we need to say it's selling about four per day, right? So that means that it's selling, let's call it a hundred per month. Now we can break that down a little bit further and go, okay, well, maybe we don't want it to just be one product. Maybe we find two products. So now we only need to sell two a day on each product. So now the demand for that product doesn't need to be as high, although we still want it to be uh, able to hit that that number, and then you can spread this out for three products or five products. I would like to see you start with five products that are related. Now, these can be products that have the same design, but they're on different products, okay? So it's one design on multiple types of products. The reason why is it gives us more bites at the apple, if you will, okay? So that's the very first thing, is we want to find products that meet our demand Okay, in this where people are searching and people are buying, really important. If we don't get that, it's going to be hard to hit the hundred. Now we're just kind of we're just kind of uh, you know guessing, and we're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. We want to know ahead of time, and this is where. Uh, the the niche validation and the product research really comes in handy. And if you're not using a tool like Everbee, I recommend that you do. Yes, this is a shameless plug. Uh, It's super inexpensive. Even the growth plan is super uh, inexpensive for what you're using it for and what you're getting out of it. So I would definitely recommend trying that out. You can go to brandcreators.com forward slash Everbee, or if you are On YouTube and you want me to send it directly to you we can do that as well just drop a comment down below but I'm pretty sure that you can just remember that link all right so uh and you you can try it for free too by the way but that's one tool that I believe has to be in the arsenal Chris I think you want to chime in here a couple couple things
1: I wanted to chat through with you because every time we say the word niche first of all I can hear everybody in the comments saying it's niche uh it's either one in English y'all just so you know Uh, for our Spanish speakers. Just to clarify. Like like Pedro uh, in the chat, it's nicho. Uh, But everybody asks us in the comments, Scott, and I see even the video we posted yesterday where we were talking about niches. Um, People want to know, okay, so what you're saying is, I have to pick a specialty within a subject, take a small section of that subject, and then pick one product inside of that? Is that what we're talking about when we're talking about picking a niche? Or are we talking about focusing on the interest and then looking at all of the products that you could sell to that. That's the first thing I wanted to, to have you clear up.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So we always say we want to start with the niche in mind because we want to build a product line. Okay. So if you're new to the channel, thank you. Welcome. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. But we're big fans on building a brand that has a lot of products that can be sold to the same customer. So If you're just starting out and you're like, I'm just going to find products that are selling, you can do that, but you're not really building assets. And what I mean by that is, is like, we want to increase our odds of increasing the order value. So let me just say that again. So if I have five products and they're all similar, they're related in a sense, right? Where people could say, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the blanket and I'll take the sweatshirt because they're related and it'd make a great gift bundle maybe, right? Now I've just went from, yes, I'm getting one sale, but I've got three sales that are in the order. I'm sorry, one order, three sales or two sales, whatever, right? So whenever you're looking at that, you're like, okay, that's a hundred orders. Well, a hundred orders could be technically three orders or three sales per order. Okay. So I'm always looking at that. So that's why we always say, start with a niche that then you can explore products that could fill out a nice product line. And then you can keep adding to that product line and keep building your catalog of products for that niche. So hopefully that cleared that up.
1: Yeah. The, the other side of this, Scott, is, are you saying that the general store approach and, and Merch HQ in the chat just said multiple types of products equals a general store? No. Multiple types of products equals either one. A general store in our definition would be multiple niches, right? But I forget the question that I was going to ask you because I just went off on of a tangent. Um, <laughs> where never
0: happens to Chris, where, by the way.
1: Well, I know. Where Where was I going with that? <laughs> Do we call that a brain fart? Is that what that's called? That Yeah, that was just yeah, that a is. straight up brain fart. Um, oh, so the, the general store thing. I see general stores that are working. Why shouldn't I use that approach? There's tons of stores that sell nothing but t-shirts. Why aren't you advocating for just doing that versus the niche-based approach? Because obviously there's a ton of people who sell t-shirts or mugs, yeah. right? And we actually had a fight in our chat or in our comment section on one of the videos we posted the other day between the t-shirt people and the mug people. And a bunch of comments got suspended by YouTube, which was hilarious to me, right? But it was like, no, t-shirts are better, mugs are better. It's like, y'all, you can sell both uh, if you use the niche-based approach. But if, Scott, there are people having success with that general store, meaning one product type usually to a ton of different niches, why do we advocate for the niche-based approach? And why does that make more sense in 2024 and now? You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the
0: link in the show notes below. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, it can work if you wanna sell in multiple niches, right? And multiple products, just slap them up there and sell what you can, right? To me, it's a lot of work to do that, number one, and you're not building a brand. Why is that important? Well, here's why I wanna be able to market to that same customer. Okay. If you buy something random in my shop and I've got 20 different niches, there's a very unlikely chance that you're going to buy anything else because it's not related. So, what we wanna do is we wanna increase our chances, increase our odds to increase the order value. Plus we want to be able to market to those people in the future. So now if you were selling random t-shirts, okay. And you had a VIP club for, you know, random t-shirts of the month. And I was selling uh, in the wedding space and someone was preparing for their wedding and they're buying invitations. And then I'm able to get their email address because now they join my VIP list all right, on my, you know, on my store, I can put that somewhere. I can put it on my announcement. I can put it and very easily to do an Everbee now. We can build a landing page, which is basically just collecting someone's email address, which is totally above board too. You can do that within Etsy. It's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we can build the email list. We can remarket to those people. I'll give you an example. We just literally sent out one email to our list. And that one email generated over $420. One email, all I had to do was write an email, right? And I think it was like 10 orders, 10 or 11 orders. Okay. So those people already bought or were going to buy. And now I encourage them to buy by sending an email. So that's another big reason. You're not going to do that. If you have the throw spaghetti at the wall approach. The other thing is, is you may have a product that's pulling a lot of the weight, you know, is making a lot of the sales. And then that product kind of fizzles out. You got nothing else on the back end. So you have an email list? Probably not. If you did, are those people interested in what you have to sell today because you're just launching, you know, random stuff? Probably not. So to me, it's just a business decision and it's a way that we can build assets. And I've said this all along. The other thing is, is I can take those products now and let's say that I want to put them on a Shopify store. Now I have a Shopify store that's tailored towards this niche, not just a t-shirt shop that you would see on the boardwalk in, uh, you know, whatever, you know, New Jersey or Myrtle beach or anything by the ocean, right? Like any of those places. So that's the main reason we want to build a business, a brand. I'm not saying a t-shirt shop isn't a business. It is, but you know, as well as I do, if you're on the beach and you go into one of those beach shops. You're not going back there for another year, maybe. And you may never go back into that one because there's 25 other ones right up the road. So that's the main reason. Hopefully that makes sense. That's why we're big advocates on picking a niche, building a product line, and building really a customer base so we can resell to those people in the future.
1: I think I think the biggest thing there for me, Scott, is that the difference between building an Etsy shop and building a brand, right? This is the Rock Your Brand podcast from... Yeah brand creators, right? Like we're all about the brand, we're about making this something that is not just a short-term success, but a long-term success and something that you can create assets with and from. If your goal is just to make a couple hundred bucks a month, that's fine, right? By all means, go launch a general store if that's what you wanna do. We're not saying that that method does not work. What we are saying is that the better method for scalable long-term success is using the niche or niche or nicho-based approach right? It allows you the flexibility of taking things outside of the Etsy ecosystem. Yes, if you have 7,000 t-shirt designs, you can launch a Shopify store, but ads to that are going to be very difficult because chances are people are only ever going to buy one t-shirt from you. So you have to be very aggressive with all of those kinds of things. And using the general store approach, if you take it outside of the Etsy ecosystem, you run into a lot of hurdles that you would not have in the niche based approach, it would also be harder to sell outside of that, right? It's just a less flexible approach. And Scott, this is something you and I have talked about in terms of the the general store approach, especially recently, with the advent of like AI generation tools, it becomes much harder to compete against another t shirt store, because they can hire a team of designers, they can hire a bunch of people that are really good at pumping out AI designs or Bases of designs and then tweaking them. And unless you can compete with that, you'll never be able to launch more products. The niche based approach allows you to get off the product launch flywheel and focus on the thing that really matters at the end of the day, which is the customer. And if we can use that as the foundation of everything, creating designs becomes a lot easier, coming up with new product ideas becomes a lot easier. And we can reduce the amount of time, energy, and effort we have to put into the marketing side of this as well as the cost because we can create repeat customers, which is not something you will typically find in a general store.
0: Yeah, no, that was good. That was great. And guys, let us know in the comments how many of you are focused on one niche or niches that are close together because I'm a fan of stacking niches too, by the way, right? So if you're in uh, the wedding niche. There's a lot of sub niches within that, right? Um, if you are into sports and outdoors, there's a lot of camping, hiking RV, uh, you know, biking, like all of those are kind of like sub niches that can be stacked together. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, so I'm just curious how many of you in the comments, let us know. And, uh, if you are listening to this and you're not in the comments, well, you can just think it and we'll, we'll get that energy coming into us. So we kind of know what you're doing. Um, anyway, let, let us know in the comments. Oh, and if you guys are getting value from this, do us a favor and smash the like button. That would be amazing. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, make sure you do that and you'll get notified when we post all of this great content that we've got coming down the line. All right. So Chris, let me go into the second piece here. All right. The second step to getting our first hundred Etsy sales. All right. The second thing is now that we've got our products picked, and we know that they are getting demand, well, now what we wanna do is we want to price them aggressively. This is another thing that a lot of people don't wanna do because they're like, well, I'm on Etsy to make money. I understand that. So is the new brewery that just put $150,000 into the renovation, and now they're hoping to get people through the door. So they're gonna run a grand opening special, and they're probably not gonna make a lot of money, but guess what? They're gonna get attention. And that's what we have to think about for these first hundred sales is getting the attention. So how do we do it? One way is pricing it aggressively. And I always like to go where I'm breaking even on the first maybe seven days. Then we can move it to where we're in the midpoint where it's a small uh, profit. And then from there, we can then increase it to what we're normally going to be charging. All right. This is somewhat of our launch strategy of where we price it very aggressively. And this way here, we're also now able to. Uh, we're also able to show that we're running a sale, which also has some really good benefits on Etsy. So that's the second thing: is pricing aggressively low. And I know, I know, a lot of people are going to be resisting this because they're like, "Wow, I don't want to give it away." You're not giving it away necessarily, but you are gaining from it. Again, if you're getting a sale, you've now signaled Etsy that you're selling. They're going to pay attention. Second thing is you're going to start getting reviews. Those reviews, they're going to help you get more sales, okay? Because when people see your listing now, they're not going to see a ghost town, all right? And just you're going to get more velocity, all right? And that's what the algorithm is looking for, all right? So, Chris, anything on that before I move on? I've got the third one queued up.
1: No, I think I think that's fairly straightforward other than when do you make that change? So, you're talking about pricing aggressively, is that for a week? Is that until you get to hundred sales? Like at what point do we start making money uh, on this thing? Cause that is the goal at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. You're getting ahead of yourself there, Chris. Let's, okay. let's wait. We've got some steps here. We're going to talk about a little bit of that launch strategy. So let's not get ahead of ourselves there, buddy. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going we're to move on to the third one, the third one. And that is in this step is we want to optimize our listings for SEO. Now, we're not optimizing these so we can magically appear in search because that's not really what's going to happen. Like right now, if you're going after products that are in demand, okay, there's probably other people selling similar products. And guess what? You're going to have to work yourself into that top spot or those top spots, first page. Now, the reason why we're saying that you want to make sure that the listing listing is set up with SEO being optimized is because once we start getting sales and we start getting that velocity that velocity now we're indexed for these keywords and now Etsy knows what the product that we're selling is because it's in our title and it's in our description and it's in our tags and so now we've given them that one important piece of information sales okay so before we get to those sales, we got to optimize it. So that way there, when we get the sales, we can be rewarded for those. So that's it on that. That's the reason why we are doing the SEO optimization. We're not doing it necessarily because that is our traffic strategy. A lot of people do that. To me, it's not going to be an easy road for you. You're probably going to be sitting there waiting and going like, I've got two sales. Two of them were my family members. Like we have to get things rolling and there's ways that we're going to do it. And I'm going to share that here in a minute, but optimizing those listings, that's step three, moving on to step four, we're then going to make sure that we've fully optimized our shop and we're doing all of this in prep. So this way here, when we get into promoting our stuff, everything's lined up. All right. So the next thing is, is we want to make sure that we turn on our internal email triggers. Now these are internal marketing triggers that Etsy has built in. And all you need to do is turn them on and assign what you want to give as a discount. So you've probably seen these where if someone favorites, you know, they hit that heart on your listing. Well, they can be notified through Etsy's email because you're going to tell them to do it. You can say, Hey, give them 10% off If they're still interested because they liked it, let's get them over the, over the hump and let's give them a little incentive. So that can be set up in advance, which should be the second one is an abandoned cart. This means that someone actually added it to their cart, but they didn't check out. Well, we can encourage them with a discount. Okay. So you want to make sure that you set that up in advance. The other one, and this is really important too, is the thank you email. So now when someone buys It's going to send an email to say, hey, thanks so much for that order. How about you take 10% off your next order or 20%? And this is really important because if you are doing what we're saying here and creating multiple products that they can buy, right? It's not that random t-shirt. Well, there's a better chance that they're going to come back to the shop and want to use that coupon code. Okay. So think about that for a second. We talked a little bit ago about, well, why don't we just, you know, like launch, random products so much, that's another reason because that thank you email gets sent out on our behalf and thanks them for being a customer and says, Hey, how would you like to take 10% off? Well, if they just bought a one-off t-shirt in a niche that, okay, was let's say bass fishing, and that's the only thing that you have about bass fishing that they could buy, but you have stuff in wedding stuff. What's the chances that they're going to come back to your shop to use that code? Probably not. Right. So that's another reason why we want to do that. So, those three things, we want to set those up as soon as possible before we even get into the promotional side. It's just other ways to encourage people to buy that are in that buying cycle. Okay. Chris, anything you want to add to that?
1: I think just on those last two, really fast, Scott, the place where people get caught up on SEO is that they think search engine optimization for Etsy is all about the keywords that they're typing in. So, they go in, they test, they tweak. What we're talking about is what Etsy shares in their own documentation of the algorithm, which is get your title tags and description squared away. Make sure you're using the words that people would type in and then focus on the other things, right? Focus on the traffic and sales. If you guys have any questions about The way that the algorithm works about the way that we advocate for creating titles tags and descriptions drop seo in the comments below and we'll link you over to the the full guide that we did on that we should also probably scott include for the uh the really nerdy people uh in the chat The link to the live where we did a breakdown of Etsy's SEO algorithm and how that works in 2024. But if you're looking for the listing side of that, just comment SEO below and we'll link you over to that guide. In terms of the internal triggers, I think you just hit on the thing that we were really talking about in step number one here, which is focusing on a niche rather than a general store, Mm -hmm. right? Those triggers are one of the most powerful things that Etsy has built in, in terms of the marketing. I know we're going to talk about another one here in just a minute. Uh, but if you don't have another thing for them to buy, then they don't have anything else to buy. There's nothing left for them to buy. And yes, you may get someone who buys a bass fishing t-shirt to buy another t-shirt in your store because their their wife likes horseback riding or whatever it is. right? And so they're going to take that coupon and go find that. But the chance of that happening is much much lower than it is if you have other bass fishing things in the shop for them to buy. And so if you're using the niche-based approach, that uh that little tip right there number 4 using those internal email triggers will increase your order size, your cart value and the lifetime value of those customers instantaneously and at a much higher rate than it would if we get the, you know, the one out of 200 people who come back and buy a different t-shirt because it happened you know, they happen to see it or it happens to be their dad's birthday. The one question, Scott, I know we're going to get on the internal email triggers is, well, if they come back again and again, can't they just use that coupon code again and again? And the answer is, yeah. But do we care is the real end result of that question. So what are your thoughts on having that return customer coupon code, right? Having return customers and them getting a discount on everything that they buy, which by the way, does not happen, right? Yeah. From every time we've run a promotion, we've noticed a huge percentage of people don't even put in the coupon code, right? right? They might click the link and come back, or they'll click the link in the email that we send and not use the coupon code. But yep. even if they did, is it still worth setting that up and losing 10 15% for repeat customers on every time they come back? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I would say 125%. And one of the reasons is, is because, and we'll get into this, is if we're running Etsy ads... Well, we paid for that sale, maybe, but then anytime that we can follow up. So if you have Etsy ads running and you make that one sale and you're like, oh, it cost me a dollar to get that sale, but then you're able to take 10% off because they purchased from you, right? And now you're getting that. You've just made money on that than more than you would have if you hadn't. But to your point, Chris, is like, no, if someone comes back to my store and they want to buy again, heck yeah, that would be worth it all day long because now they're in my ecosystem. Okay. And if you're doing it properly, you're going to also have some products that are a little bit more expensive. You're going to make more profit on those, right? So you might, you know, they might've came in and bought a coaster set and you only made $10, but now you have a blanket in there that you're going to make $40 on. Yeah. I'd give them 10% off to come back and buy something that I'm going to make 40 bucks on. Of course right? So yeah, that's a no brainer. I think
1: that's that's the other benefit to the niche-based approach. We're not competing on price, right? If all we're selling is t-shirts, then typically what you will see is a race to the bottom, right? And it's a question you and I get all the time. It's like, How do these shops afford to sell $12 t-shirts? I can't compete with that. In the niche-based model, you can sell much higher priced products, even the things like a t-shirt where you would normally be competing for that lower price to have a chance in the search results. We don't have to worry about the search results we have to worry about making money which is really at the end of the day what this is about for most people right some some people on etsy yes they do it for the art's sake but the vast majority of people on etsy are doing this as a way to make money and so using the niche based model again looping back to number one here we can sell those things at a higher margin at a higher price point and then it doesn't really matter if we give a little bit of a discount to repeat customers but this is something you see every good business doing what is Kohl's cash? It is a discount, right? For repeat customers, you have to come back and redeem it at a Kohl's location, or I guess you can probably redeem it on kohls.com. I don't know, right? But it's basically a gift card that they give to you to use within a certain amount of time, right? That means you're coming back, but it's less money that they are making. Every business does this. Pretty much everybody has some form of a loyalty program. So even if they were going to use that discount every time, we can build that into the margins and it just repeats that buyer behavior. And the fewer new buyers we have to find, the better off we are from a marketing perspective. So I'd rather them take that yeah. 10, 15% discount on the back end than try to compete even with something as cool as Etsy ads or try to compete with Facebook ads or driving yeah. traffic or worrying about over SEOing everything, right? It's a way for us to keep that customer buying without us having to spend on the marketing side. We just take a little bit less profit, even though it ends up being essentially the same amount.
0: Right. Yeah, um, I did want to uh, interject here on uh, one of the comments. Um, Mine Mech HQ says Etsy ads rarely pay off, and I would challenge you on that uh, because we spent uh, just over ten thousand, brought in around thirty-three thousand, and that also. And here's where people miss how Etsy ads really help you is we were then able to get more organic traffic. Because like I said earlier, we are spiking the algorithm because we're getting sales, getting more reviews, that increases our conversion rate. So all of that stuff. So we made money on those and we also made additional sales on those. So uh, if you guys are interested in that too, I should probably uh, mention that. We have a guide that actually goes through how we were able to do that. Um, And if you just want to put ads in the comments, we'll go ahead and we'll send you that as well. All right. So, uh, you guys can do that if you want access to that, where it breaks that right down. It's kind of like a little, uh, just like a little, uh, overview of like what we did and kind of like how we set up campaigns and kind of like what we use for budgeting and things like that. So if you're interested, just write ads in the comments and we'll make sure that we get that over to you. All right, let's move on here. I'm going to pull up my little handy dandy notes. Uh, and, uh, handy dandy, uh, that was from blues clues back in the day, by the way, I don't know if you guys ever heard of blues clues. My son was a big blues clues, had his little marker, little notebook. That's what made me think of that. I don't know why random. All right. So (laughs) let's move on. Um, the fifth thing, let's recap real quick though. First thing we need to have products that are getting demand or this isn't going to work. I mean, we've already established that and we want to have it built around a niche. Secondly, we want to price aggressively. Uh, and we want to either break even or have a small profit on these first hundred sales. Third, we want to optimize the listing for SEO. So this way here, when we do get sales, we're going to be indexed for those keywords, and we're going to start getting pushed by the algorithm. Uh, Four, uh, we want to turn on the internal email triggers. So this way here, it increases our chances when we do get the traffic coming through the door. And then the fifth, that's where we are right now. The fifth little action step here is we are going to run a three price phase launch. And this generally will last for 21 days, seven days, seven days, seven days. And what we do is we will figure out what that break-even price is. Okay. And you can do this right in Everbee. Another little shameless plug for Everbee. If you're not using the tool, I recommend that you do. And you can even use it for free on your first 10 searches, um, brandcreators.com forward slash Everbee. Um, but they have a profit calculator that will calculate all of the fees associated with the sale. I use that every single time that I want to see what my break even is. The only thing I need to know is what does Printify charge before the product? I punch that in and then everything else gets calculated because it's pulling all of the costs from Etsy, all of the costs that's associated with that sale. And I can see exactly what my net profit's going to be. I can even figure in Etsy ads if I want to. So what I do is I figure that out and that's where I price the first sale. It might be 30%. It might be 35% off. It might be 40% off, but we want to make that as great of an offer as possible, because that's the one that's going to start the ball rolling. The other thing is when we're running these sales, we're doing them for seven days, okay? So phase one is really seven days, and it's going to be at a break-even or just a touch of profit on those first seven days, all right? The other reason why we're doing that is because it's a shorter sales cycle, and then when it starts to come to a close, when it's starting to end, there's going to be a deadline attached to it. The other reason why we like front and sales is because it also now gives us an opportunity to show up at different places that Etsy promotes sales. Also, Etsy, they send out emails. I don't know if you've ever gotten them. As a shopper, they'll send out an email for a certain category. Now, with their gifting mode, they might even have something there for sales in gifts, which you probably should put gift in your title if you do not already have it there or in one of your tags if it is giftable little side note there, but that's what we're going to do here in this part of this strategy. Okay. So we're going to run sales for 21 days. All right. Price it at break even, maybe a little bit more Then we're going to bump it up where maybe if we were, if we were making a dollar the first time, we're going to make five or $6. And then we're going to ramp it up to where we're making $10 on the third part of this phase. And then we are go, we're going to increase it to our regular price. Um, all right. So that's, the fifth thing. So you got to sit down, you got to figure out what the, the, uh, the break even point is um, for your product, So you have a baseline. Um, Chris, anything there that we needed to discuss before we get into six and seven, which is going to really uh, take this thing and start promoting it.
1: We have a ton of questions related to number six. So let's jump into that, talk through that, and then we'll come back and answer some of those. And guys, we will save a little bit of time for going through all of the questions that you're asking. I'm marking them uh, here at the end. So Scott, let's run through that three price phase. We already talked about that. Let's move on to number six.
0: Yeah, okay. So number six, it might be obvious, but uh, we're gonna start getting some traffic. And guess what? We're not gonna wait for Etsy to index us and send it to us with the SEO gods. We are going to, we're gonna spend a little bit of money. We're We're gonna let Etsy, show our stuff, and we're going to pay them. We're going to pay them to put us in the place where people can see us. A lot of people wait to run ads until I get sales. I'm going to wait until I get sales, then I'm going to run ads. It's backwards. It's backwards. If you're opening up a brand new business, okay, are you going to run ads in maybe the local, I don't know, paper? Are you going to Go into uh, some some uh, maybe some different shops or brick and mortars, and are you going to let them know that you're doing this? And if you could advertise in their window, or you know, in maybe if you're going to a diner, you're gonna you know, you've ever seen those little those little uh, placemats that have all the different businesses on there. You're gonna spend money somehow, whether it's digitally or whether it's you know in paper print stuff. Okay, you're going to do it because you have to get eyeballs. The days of just SEOing and then showing up tomorrow, not gonna happen. It isn't even gonna happen if you do that in the next two months. And the reason why is because if you're going after products that are in demand, there's other people competing for those places. And the ones that are winning are getting sales. All right. So you have to then outsale them or you have to run ads. And to run ads, we can get that get that flywheel started. So our approach here, and we actually cover this in our Etsy ads guide. Again, if you want that, just put ads in the, uh, in the comments, but we go through this and what it looks like. And generally it's like $2 to start a day. Like it's less than a Starbucks coffee. All right. Or a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's two bucks a day. If you don't have two bucks a day, well, just stop having your Starbucks for a week or three weeks. It would be because you want to use that. Okay. So two bucks, that's it. That's all you need to start this. All right. Number one. You're going to get eyeballs day one, immediately. Like You're going to turn them on. You're going to wake up the next morning, and you're going to be able to see how many impressions you're getting. You're going to see how many clicks have you've gotten, if you've gotten any, and how many sales you've gotten. And then once you start to get sales, guess what? You're also going to see, oh, that keyword led to the sale, or oh, that keyword led to a click. There's so much information that we're gaining here, even if we don't get the sale right away. All right. So the Etsy ads to me is a critical piece, but if we don't do everything that we just talked about, if we don't have products that are in demand, well, you're going to turn on ads and guess what? You're like, Scott, I can't even spend $2. Why? Because no one's searching for what you're offering. That's why. That's why we got to start with the niche slash product validation side of things. Okay. It's really, really important. So once we get that, we know that we got that now we're pricing it aggressively because when we do display the ad, it's going to stand out. It's going to have a little green, uh, little box that says that it's discounted. It'll also say how, you know, how long it's going to be before it ends. So you get all of those things. That's really, really baked in to running a sale. But the Etsy ads is going to allow us to get visibility, allow us to get eyeballs immediately. And I mean, just about immediately. Like you turn it on, you don't have to wait for approvals or anything like that. I mean, they might have like an, a, maybe a approval thing that's built in, in the back end that we don't see, but basically you turn them on, you refresh it in a few hours and you're going to see impressions. If you're not seeing impressions after 24 hours, you pick the product that doesn't have a lot of demand, or you didn't use the keywords that were driving the sales for the other people. All right. So that's the Etsy ads thing. And we're going to want to run them for at least those first three weeks, because we want to get as much attention to those, uh, those products that we're launching. Uh, Chris, what did we need to discuss there? I know there's going to be questions on that.
1: Yeah, we, we have a ton and we could do a whole session on this, but the, the basic consensus is how do I choose the products and, you know, like, Should we just be running this on everything to start? And then when we get into the Q&A here in a little bit, Scott, we can go through a lot of the rest of them, but that seemed to be kind of the biggest sticking point for people. So if we're just getting started, we're trying to get to that first hundred sales. How do I know which products to run ads on? And how do I know how much is enough budget? So I'll answer the budget one if you answer the which products one. How do you know if you're spending enough or if your budget is high enough? Are you spending it, right? If you set a $2 a day budget and you're not spending it, then that's more than enough budget. If you set a $2 a day budget and you're spending all of it, then we need to look at how that is being spent. Is Etsy spending this on keywords that make sense? Or is Etsy spending this on coffee cup when this is clearly a insulated water bottle, right? Is that spend resulting in sales? Before we raise the budget, we need to go back and optimize or sculpt our ads, right? So the way that you know if your budget is more than enough is are you spending it? That's a pretty straightforward test. We typically advocate a couple bucks a day, somewhere between two and $5. Now, Scott, in terms of choosing products, especially in the context of getting our first 100 sales, what are we doing there in terms of picking what's working and what's not uh, from an ads perspective?
0: Well, okay. So I'm kind of looking at it. If we're looking at the products that we just talked about, well, now we're looking at the demand piece, right? So we're only, the way that I look at it is this. And we've all experienced where you open up the newspaper and you see like there's a flyer for a certain store, let's say Kohl's and Kohl's has like this crazy deal on this one thing and it's limited to one per person. That's a loss leader as they call that, right? And they know that people are all interested in that thing. They've done their research, right? It brings people in the door. So your job is to look, if you have several products then your job is to do the research on those products. Even if you haven't done it already, you just kind of guessed, you just kind of picked them out of thin air. You have to go through and see what one has the most potential to get the most reach, okay? And then those would be the products. If you're starting from scratch, you're going to be doing this in part one where you're doing the product research to see, okay, these are my lead magnets, let's call them. They're the, they're the pieces that are going to bring attention and bring awareness and also bring bodies into my shop. Then the cool thing is, is you may have some other products that you're just like, okay, I created this one design, uh, and it's being sold on a sweatshirt. And you're like, cool, I'm going to create one of those. But then you take that same design and you're like, I'm going to put it on a pillow too, because I think it's cute. And I think it would, I think people might like it. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put that on a blanket too, because I think maybe, maybe some people would want it on a blanket. I don't know. I mean, the research doesn't show it will, but I know the sweatshirt thing selling. Well, you're doing that. And now you have these products that weren't really validated for demand because it's the demand isn't, uh, you know, you can't review it because no one else is really selling that design on that thing. But the cool thing is, is if you got someone in on the one thing, they're going to be exposed to your other products. And now they might go, oh, that's a really, I I like that blanket. That's really cute. And then they're going to add it to their cart. So what we want to do is we want to go after three to five of those products that get good demand. So if you don't know what they are, that's your homework. Find out what they are. If you already have a a catalog of products and you may find out, I don't have any right now. I got to go find those three products that's going to bring people into my shop so they see all my other ones. So that's what I would say your homework is to make sure that we have good demand on those products. So this way here when you're running the ads, you're going to open up your ad manager and you're going to go, "Oh, there was 500 impressions on that yesterday." Okay, cool. I guess that one is getting pretty good demand. Good. Okay. And now we have to look at, okay, did you get any clicks on it? If you didn't, now what's the matter with the mock up or, you know, your first image or is it, you know, something with uh, you know, the the image itself or is it something with the listing? Then we have to look at that stuff. We have to look at conversion things. But the first part is impressions, click, and then we can kind of go from there. Hopefully that answered your question, Chris. Perfect.
1: All right. So Scott, with that out of the way, we do have a lot of questions about Etsy ads. We will set aside a little bit of time. Uh, But before we dive into any of the questions that have come in, let's cover number seven and just knock through the rest of this so that people know the fastest way to get to their first 100 sales. And then we can roll with all of the questions we have in the queue.
0: Yeah, and with all those ads questions, we will we'll, we'll get into some, uh, but uh a lot of those will probably be answered to in our guide. So just make sure that you download that guide. Uh I forget how many pages it is. It might be like 11-12 pages, but just in the comments just just write ads and uh we'll make sure that we get that over to you. All right. And if you're watching this on the replay, you can do the same thing. We go in and monitor the comments so we can go ahead and make sure that you get a copy of that. All right. So, let's uh, let's dig into the last one. All right, so the seventh and final piece here, and I know it seems like a lot, but it's really not. It's really not if you go through these individually. Um, But the seventh one is really, really important for increasing your conversions. And what this is, is doing the outreach. Meaning when someone buys, okay? When someone buys from you, you're going to want to write to them. And at first this might seem like, oh, it's kind of tedious. It's, you know, it's, you know, it takes a lot of time. Here's the cool thing. Uh, Everbee just rolled out a feature, literally just rolled it out uh, two days ago. Um, so their Everbee email side, um, they have some really cool things. We're going to actually do a full training next week, I believe on this. Um, so. Stay tuned for that. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you're not already, and the podcast. Um, but we're able to now, even though Etsy took away the API integration for collecting an email, we can still that direct message. So when you're when when you're making a sale, you can email those customers. Okay, you can even set up an automated message inside of Etsy that is sent to that customer. Well, guess what? Now within Everbee email, it's within their API. We're still able to use the API to use our messenger. Okay, so now what we can do is write that message beforehand, and we can say, "Hey, thanks so much for your order. We truly appreciate it. We're a small business, and it means so much that you trusted us. Uh, you know, with your wedding or whatever. Um, and you know, we would love to." invite you to our vip club now inside of everbee email we also have the ability to create a landing page which is basically just a page that people would go to and it would allow them to put their name and email address in to you know get a coupon code or something like that and so what we would say is like uh you know for your uh, for your next purchase we would love to give you 20% off uh we do that with all of our vip club members and then you would just link over to that all right now what this does is it allows you to reach out to them, know that you're there. Okay. And it allows you to start building that email list. The Other thing that it does is it will really shock people that you're not just a robot that Etsy sends out, you know, Etsy sends out their own emails with tracking and not even tracking just with updates on the order or whatever on your behalf, but it's all generic. This is from you and you're going to personalize it from you. And what this will also lead to is more reviews. And what are reviews going to really do for you? They're going to make people in the future trust you. They're going to make you—they're—they're going to make uh, you as if it's not so much a risk, right? Because now they've got social proof. Other people have purchased. Other people are happy. So now that's going to increase your—you uh, know—it's going to increase your sales. This could actually happen very quickly because now, yes, you can send them a thank you email in your internal triggers there that we set up already. But this here is a personal thing to say. Hey, jump on our on our VIP list where we're going to give monthly giveaways and we're going to do uh, you know monthly uh, you know private promos for just our VIP list. If you want access, go here. So we're we're building that list. So this way here, guess what? As we start to slowly build that, you can do what we just recently did. We sent out one email and generated four hundred and twenty-eight dollars with one email. That took probably I don't know. For me, I'm not that good at writing maybe 12 minutes, uh, and I struggle a little bit, uh, but I actually have a little template that I follow. It's a very short email. I'm going to share that next week as well on the uh, podcast and on the live that we're going to be doing. But, um, yeah, that's what you need to do. And that's step seven is really making sure your customer service is there, making sure that you follow up with them and let them know you're a real person and you're a, you know, you're, you're someone that is committed to making them happy. And that's it. That's seven. Wrap it up in a bow. There we go. And from there, you're going to get your first 100 sales. Okay? So, Chris, anything I leave out on that part?
1: But, but Scott, uh, and I know this is something we're going to cover in depth here. Didn't Etsy just cut off the ability to send emails to customers? They did. Like they two did. days ago as of the time of recording it. So how are we still able to do that?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So you still have the ability inside... Uh, even if you didn't use, uh, Everbee, um, you can go inside of your account and you can send out that first welcome message or the confirmation message. And that's automated. That automatically gets triggered. And, um, you set that up yourself. So you write that and then it goes out on your behalf. Um so that's done internally that's not done with you collecting their email and then you sending it to them um everbee doesn't need their email in order to do that it's basically hooking into your account because using everbee you're connecting your account and so it's acting as if you're logged into your account and then you're just sending that so you're just you're able to then modify what you can already do inside of your etsy account so hopefully that makes sense you're not seeing their email address
1: Perfect. Amanda 100%. said, I send thank you message and then also let them know when their products ship. I had two people in 10 tell me they really appreciated the customer yes. service. Uh, this is exactly why we talk about this. 100%. And this is exactly the experience we had when we first rolled out the email integration yep. back when you could still do that. Right. Yep. Scott, I don't know how much attention you were paying to the email where all those replies come to over, you know, right around the Christmas time, but it was basically like eight times a day. We get an email. It's like, oh my God, thank you so much. It was the perfect Christmas gift, right? Because our email went out. We said, hey, it's on its way. Oh my God, thank you so much. Hey, it's there. We can't get that detailed now, but we can still send out that thank you message. And if we want to manually follow up afterwards, we can still absolutely do that. And that personalized follow-up makes all the difference in the world. The emails Etsy send are fine, but they're not great, And if we can just add that little bit of a personalized touch, that will really ramp up the customer service, which leads to more long-term customers.
0: Sweet. All right. Yeah. And Amanda said, um, they said that they would be shopping with us again. And I can't tell you how many people said that in emails back to us when we were sending those out that we could actually get those replies back. See right now. You won't get a reply necessarily through an email, but you'll get a reply in your Etsy messages, um, which is fine. But the trick here is to just show them that you're a real person and that you're listening and that you're a small business. I can't say that enough to share that you're a small business. People love supporting small businesses. Etsy is built off the backs of small businesses. And when people are going there, they know that. All right. So really, really important that we do that. And I definitely recommend that you turn that on. So let me just recap here one final time. So the fastest way to get your first hundred sales in 2024 is, well, these seven steps. Number one, make sure that you choose a niche that has good demand And the way that you find that out is by looking at the products that are selling in that niche and making sure that they're getting enough sales that's going to meet your goals because everyone's goals are different. All right. The second thing is, is we want to price aggressively in the very beginning. We want to make sure that when people are seeing this product, they're like, that's an amazing deal. All right, and you're going to sacrifice profits in the beginning, and that's okay because that's what all businesses do, right? This is a business. We need to treat it like a business, and this is part of our marketing. We wanna get people in the door so they can experience our products. They can also start to leave us reviews and buy more products, things like that. The third thing is, is we wanna make sure that we're optimizing our listings, our product listings. We wanna do this well before we start marketing, before we do any type of promoting. Why? Why? Because once we start getting sales, we are going to be indexed for these keywords that we have optimized for. So that's why we wanna optimize with SEO. And we're not necessarily optimizing for SEO in the beginning so we can get ranked fast because it's gonna take a long time to get ranked if we're just sitting around waiting. Um, So the SEO side of things and optimizing is done beforehand because we wanna make sure that when we do start getting those sales, we're indexed for these keywords. The fourth is to turn on your internal triggers, your email triggers that's inside of Etsy. You have your favorites. So when someone favorites something, we can give them an email or Etsy will give them an email. They'll send it uh, on our behalf and it'll send them the discount that we say that we want to give them. If it's 10%, 15%, 20%, whatever it is. The second one is abandoning carts. When someone comes into your shop, they're interested, but for whatever reason, they don't buy. They actually add it to their cart, but they leave and they don't buy it. Well, you can send out a coupon code that goes directly to them that says, hey, thanks so much for interest in our product. How about you take 20% off? We see that you're interested. We'd love to give you that to you as a first time customer. Like that's built in. And the third one is your thank you email. Now this one here isn't so much to get the first sale. It's to get the second, the third, the fourth sale, because once we are creating these products, these products that go well together. And that's in the first step that we talked about building a product line with products that have demand and they're related to each other. Well, now when that thank you email goes out to a customer that just purchased, it's going to increase our odds for increasing uh, more sales through that one customer. Okay. We're going to incentivize them to buy again. We have to have products there that they would want to buy. Okay. Again. All right. So that's that one. And then the fifth, piece here is we want to run these three price, I, I call them a three price phase launch where it's seven days, seven days, and seven days. And this is where we are going to price aggressively, break even in the very beginning or just a touch profit for seven days. Running that sale is going to also now allow us to be able to be seen in different places where Etsy's running sales, but it also has a deadline baked into it because it's short. It's only seven days. Then we're going to increase the price a little bit. So this way here, we can start having a little bit of profit, but it's still a really great deal. We're going to run that for seven days. And then the third phase here is we're going to increase the price just a little bit. So this way here, we're making more profit, but we're still a really good deal. All right. That's the three phase pricing strategy for launching. Now that's all done beforehand because then we're moving into number six and that's turning on the traffic. We're not waiting for traffic. We're going to pay Etsy for traffic. This is where we're going to start out at like $2 per day, and we are going to start running Etsy ads. If Etsy ads are scary to you, they don't need to be. And actually, if you are interested in getting our Etsy guide, it's free, uh, where I walk you through exactly how we were able to spend just about eleven thousand dollars brought in thirty three thousand dollars and it also helped us get organic sales which for the year was over a hundred and five thousand dollars. So if you want that guide put ads in the comments and we'll make sure that you get a copy of that so that's running Etsy ads to get the traffic all right we got to get that traffic so this way here everything else that we just did is going to be able to work all right and then the seventh and final step here is reaching out to your customers following up with them. So this way here, well, we start to build rapport. People are going to be more likely to come back and buy from us. And we're going to be able to start building our email list. Now, people think that you can't build your email list on Etsy anymore, which is false. You still can. But what we need to do is we need to do it in a different way. We're going to incentivize them to join our VIP club. And we can do that in that first message that goes out. That first message that goes out is inside of your Etsy account. Etsy allows you to do this. They want you to send them a personalized message. And in that message, we would thank them. We would let them know that their order is being processed. And also we would invite them to join our VIP club where you get monthly discounts, monthly giveaways, things like that. And we would build a page inside of Everbee email. And that's what we call a landing page that captures their email address and then it would also then send them the coupon code on the next page. That's all built into Everbee Email. And if you want to try that out, if you haven't yet used Everbee Email, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, you can go to emailforshops.com. Again, that's emailforshops.com, or you can just drop email in the uh, in the comments down below, and I'll make sure that you get that. That's the the final step here. And there's so many benefits to doing that. Yes. You're building your email list. Yes. You are probably going to get repeat customers. And one thing I left out, you're probably going to start getting some reviews and those reviews are going to help you sell more in the future. It's going to increase your conversions. We all know that if you go to a shop that has zero reviews and one that has a hundred reviews or 200 reviews, what one are you going to trust more? Probably the one that has reviews because you can say, oh, people have already purchased, they've already received it, and they're happy with it. So that's another benefit of doing that. So those are the seven steps to getting your first hundred sales super, super fast. All right, Chris, a lot there in that one. I know it was kind of packed, but I needed to kind of elaborate a little bit there. Hopefully that was a distilled version.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, so Scott, I know we have some other topics we wanted to cover. I wanted to give our, our buddy Brett a shout out. He dropped a $10 super chat asking us a, a question. He said, I I'm one and a half months in, I was getting two to six sales a day. I made a few small changes to my mock-ups, I'm assuming what he means here is that original photo, right? The main image list. Yeah. And I saw a drop in sales to one a day. Is it normal with mock-ups or is this a problem, uh, with the new things? And the answer is it depends right? What you're talking about there could be one of two different problems. When you change your images, it can affect really two things. It's not going to really affect your placement in the search results, but what it will affect is click-through rate. If the image isn't exactly what somebody is looking for and conversion rate, if it's not exactly what they're looking for, or they don't think it matches the title, then it will result in a drop in conversion rate. And so The question that I would have back to Brett and Scott, if I'm missing anything on this, let me know. The thing we would want to know is, did we have a drop in traffic or is the traffic level the same? Because if the traffic went down, then we have to look at the overall demand. If the traffic is the same and we're just converting lower, then we can somewhat assume that it has something to do with the mockups, assuming we're looking at equivalent periods of time am i missing something there
0: no no I, yeah again we'd have to kind of dig in a little bit deeper but some things that i'd be cross checking if you are running etsy ads i'd want to look at the at the views right at the impressions and i want to see did that go up or down okay so i'd want to look at that i mean it very simply could be just the timing of it and the demand went down right it could be that um so i would i'd be curious i'd also be curious to switch it back to the old one and see what happens right? And I would test that, but we can't test too many things at once here because, you know, once you do that, then we don't know what it is. Um, now if you're looking at your Etsy ads, you can, you can see that without harming anything. Um, but my other question would be is, is the only thing that you change the mock-ups because sometimes people will change the mock-ups and they might tweak the description a little, they might describe, you know, maybe, maybe they add something to the title. Uh, you know, maybe you added gift to the title now because we have gift mode engaged. Um, maybe that kind of, took you out of the ranking for a bit, don't know all of those things, but those are some things that I'd be questioning and um, trying to reverse engineer, like what happened here? Why did we all of a sudden lose traffic after I went ahead and updated a photo, right? I don't think that the photo update should impact your ranking, but again, you never can be sure.
1: Well, and that's the other question, right? Like, is it a tweak? Did we change a background color or is it a totally different image, right? And so the two things I would be looking at if this is my listing is overall traffic, right? If traffic is the same, then we probably created a conversion rate issue. If traffic is not the same, then is what we're seeing on our other listings where we didn't change that, did that drop? Is it a difference in the niche between a month ago and now? And so we have to look at those kinds of things. But if the traffic is the same, then we have some sort of a change to conversion rate and we have to backwards engineer that. Scott, do you want to jump into some of the the news stuff that we wanted to cover? Or do you want to do yeah, I a make really sure. quick uh, fire round method?
0: Yeah. Let's, let, let's knock through these real quick and then we'll, we'll leave some time open. I will say, uh, you know, I do have a, a harder stop today. I've got uh, beach volleyball with my daughter. I got to take her to practice. Um, but I'm going to make sure that we try to answer some. And also if, uh, if you might notice that we have certain badges that are being shown up in the comments, um, those are our backstage pass club members. We're going to always answer those first. So if you do have a question and you are a club member, um, we see that we will mark those and we will answer those first. If you want to become a backstage pass club member, and you can sit in on our audits that we do our bats, uh, batch recording sessions, and you get to answer or get your questions answered there. And you get priority here on these lives. Um, just go to brandcreatorscom forward slash club, or if you're on YouTube, just click join and you will be able to join under 10 bucks and you'll have all of those perks. Um so anyway, yeah, let, let me do that Chris. Let me pull up uh the first one. Um okay. okay. So, Etsy cut off the email AI integrations for any of these third-party tools, all right? And the two that I'm aware of right now was AWeber and Everbee. And anyone else that's using the API to collect email customer data from Etsy, no more. It was finalized beginning of February, and it is no longer. So all of those services no longer have API to pull an email address. Now, they still have API to where they can get other information. Etsy's cool with that, but they're just blocking The email address. So what does this mean? We no longer can use email. We no longer can build an email list from our customers. No, we actually can. There's actually ways that we can do it. And actually ever be email, man, they've taken the bull by the horns and they are creating amazing things that we're able to use to help us build our email list. So what I want to do here, real quick, is I want to cover some of these. All right. And some of the things that we can do now recently, just to show you the power in email is, well, Valentine's day, the time of recording this is approaching. And I decided to send an email out to our list, our email list that we've built and we've built it multiple ways. And I'll I'll go over that here in a second. I'll give you a couple of strategies, but I sent out that email literally last minute. Now I've written emails for a while. I'm not, a, I wasn't great in school, but I, I I got by and I created a little mini template for myself to where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write this email. I'm going to follow the same template that I've always kind of used and I'm going to push it out and see what happens. The cool thing is, is doing this through Everbee email, I can track everything. I can see how many opens I had. I can see how many clicks I had. I can see most importantly, how many sales I had. And uh, well, that one email had 50% open rate basically 50% of that list. And the list was about 4,000 people. So about 2,000 people opened it. Okay. Which is cool. And then I believe I had just about 300 clicks. And from there we generated $428. And I believe it was like 7 cents from one email. Okay. So do I care that not everyone bought? No. What do I care about the most? We made an extra 400 bucks for me sitting down and writing an email in under 10 minutes. Okay. So It's totally possible still to use email and you should be using email. And actually, if you think about it, Etsy wants us to drive our own traffic. Why? Well, because they have now that share and save feature built in that they rolled out, right? So those $400 in sales, we paid less fees. They gave us a break. It's like 4%. So they're still wanting us to drive our own traffic. They still want us to use email marketing. They just don't want to let the third-party apps use the API to get emails. And they really don't want us using the email unless we've got permission. So the big question is, how do we get permission? I'm gonna give you a few ways, all right? The very first thing that you're gonna wanna do is you wanna come up with like, why would someone want to put their name and email address in for your shop, okay? Now, first off, I'm a big fan of building a brand around a niche. So if you're not doing that, it's going to be a little bit harder for people to want to even do that, right? If I mean, if you think about it, if you go to Dick Sporting Goods and they sell all sporting stuff, right? If they said, "Hey, do you want to join our VIP list where every month we give you know special discounts, ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent, and we you know do some giveaways?" Uh, would you want to be part of that? Sure, sign me up, right? Because I know, because I'm I, I shop there, right? But if I was to go into uh, a store that was more like a Walmart and they said, hey, we got this VIP thing, you might do it because it's kind of random, but it's not as focused, right? It's not the same type of customer, right? They're all over the place. I wouldn't be able to send them something out for a TV because they shopped in the TV section, right? Or someone that was in the, uh, I don't know, pregnancy, uh, you know, the uh, maternity uh, section, right? So it's, it's more it's more broken right in different categories um so for me that needs to be in place in order to really be successful at doing this but now with that out of the way how do we do this well inside of everbee email and by the way if you want to try everbee email i definitely encourage you to um and you can get one month free if you go through my link, email4shops.com. Again, that's email4shops.com. Yes, that's a shameless plug. I'm a big fan, but I use it all the time. Um, so if you want a free month, just go there. You'll buy one, get one free, I believe is what it is right now. All right. So you go in there and you create what they call a landing page. Okay. This is a sign up page. And what you're going to do is you're going to put in there that you want them to join your VIP list, where you're going to do monthly giveaways, you're going to do uh, special discounts, you're going to do special launch prices, things like that, right, to encourage them. You're going to build that page. Very easy. It takes you less than 10 minutes. Then there's a thank you page on it that gives them the discount code that you're going to basically offer them. You're going to say, hey, sign up today and get 20% off. And then you're going to go to a thank you page, which is going to have the coupon code that you're going to assign and it's going to take them directly right to your shop. All right. So that's the first way that you can do this. So now where would you put this? Well, you can put it in an image, one of your image slots. You could have on there a nice image that basically says, join our private VIP club and get everything I just stated. Okay. Now the cool thing is Everbee now has a built-in QR code. So now you can Basically create that QR code that's going to directly get linked to your landing page. Huge. It's a major, major thing now. All right. And they're building right now. It's not fully launched yet, but they are going to integrate it with your images. So You can create an image and then import it or kind of upload it to that listing right from inside Everbee email. Now, right now they did create a photo editor where you can build all this stuff, put the QR code there and everything, and then you can export it and then import it. Um, So really cool. You don't even have to go to Canva or anything like that. So that's the other way that we're gonna do this. So now where else could we put it? We could put it in our announcement. So in your announcement, which by the way, inside of EverBe email, they have a new feature in there where you can update your announcement right on the fly and do it right inside EverBe email. And then boom, it pushes right too. But even if you're not using EverBe email, you can put your link right there okay, and say, hey, join our VIP list and get 20% off your first order, right, so we're encouraging them to opt in to our email list, all right, that's in the email marketing world, it's called opting in, they're giving you permission to send them emails, and Etsy doesn't have a problem with this, they want you to build an email list of people, but they want you to get their permission, okay, so now, the other way that we can do this is we can, in our message that we can send out to all of our customers, so inside of your dashboard, you can go into your messages and you can pre-write a message that welcomes your new customer and lets them know that you're processing their order, you're a small business, thank you so much, tell them a little bit about yourself, and then you can say, oh, by the way, I'd love to invite you to our VIP club. Here's the link or here's the QR code. And you can drop it right in there. So these are all multiple ways that we can do this internally in Etsy. Now think about this. If you're driving people from an Etsy ad and they get into your listing and they look through your photos, guess what? They might see that and join their join your list. Now you spent money on that click. They might not have bought right now, but guess what? If they join your list, you can sell them tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now, just like I did with the email list that we have. And sending one email and making over $400 in sales. All right. So, yes, they did cut off the API for these third party email tools. Yes, they don't want us to use emails unless we've gotten permission from our customers. Yes, that's all true. But listen, we can still use email and you should be using email. So, if you are not, I recommend that you do. If you want to try ever be and get a free month, head on over to email 4 shops.com and you can try it, but I'm a big fan of email. It ain't going anywhere. And if you do, you're going to also stand above your competition because I guarantee they're not doing this stuff. So definitely get on the email train. All right, Chris, a lot going on there. Hopefully I made sense.
1: Email marketing. So Scott, if, if, Anybody that's listening has listened to us for any extended period of time. They probably know where I'm going to go with this. Even in 2024, which is where we are as of recording this, email marketing is the single highest return on investment e-commerce marketing activity. Above paid ads, above launching new products, above everything else, email marketing is that number one thing. Even if you don't have your own website, you need to be taking advantage of that inside of the Etsy ecosystem. And Scott, you mentioned a program that Etsy has. Uh, called the share and save program so not only if you're inside of the etsy ecosystem can you boost the sales in your store can you bring back repeat customers but if you are uh, a smart little cookie you can use that share and save link to save and i think it's what is it normally four percent uh on fees you save a big it's chunk
0: four. yeah well actually fees, but it's crazy though because right? they ju- yeah were you just going to say that so right so now through the 15, this is, yeah, yeah they're, they're going to be doing this periodically to kind of encourage you. But Chris, what, what's the discount now up until uh, Valentine's Day?
1: Just all of it. It's 100%. It's 100% now. Okay. So <laughs> so they're going to
0: basically saying like, we're going to take all the fees yeah. and get rid of them all, right? Yeah. If you use your share and save link. So, I mean, now that's that, incredible.
1: That's just the standard Etsy fees, which are the, the 6.5%, yeah. right? That's the transaction fee. Normally yep. they give you, I think it's 4% of that back. Through the 15th, and this ties into the, the next thing I think that we want to talk about, they're giving you that entire transaction feedback, which yep. means you can send emails now and it will track through anybody that buys because of the potentially- Big Super Bowl boost, and Scott, I know there's been a lot of controversy about two things, and I want to get your opinions on this here in just a minute. That Etsy has done over the last few weeks. The first thing is, you know, they launched gifting mode. That's cool, but the the real push behind that is they're really launching this to the public by paying a uh, a buttload million dollars, for lack of a better term, I think it was somewhere between seven and eight million dollars to run a Super Bowl ad, and then they brought on a celebrity spokesperson.
0: Oh, wait, a minute. Chris, Chris, before you do, before you do, in the comments real quick, has anyone heard who the celebrity is that's going to be endorsing um and being their chief gift officer? Does anybody know in the comments? I'm curious to see who's paying attention. Curious to see who's paying attention. And then Chris, let me tee it up for you. So this way here uh we can get into the nitty gritty. And I I like that you said uh what was it a cute little cookie is that what you said back there a smart smart little cookie smart yeah. little cookie there you go i like that i like being a smart little cookie um <laughs> all right let me uh tee it up here for you chris yeah so everyone uh let's see here yeah everybody pretty much knows yeah okay so cool so let me let me just tee it up here for you chris um So the big news is how Drew Barrymore is going to be Etsy's chief gift officer. Chris, I need you to explain exactly what they're up to and why is Drew Barrymore even doing this? And is this even going to impact us Etsy sellers? Why don't you uh, give me your thoughts on that, my friend? So.
1: The reason that they're doing this, Scott, is this comes into the whole gift mode thing that they're launching. This ties into the Super Bowl ad. They wanted to have a face for gift mode. And Drew Barrymore is who they chose to be that person. And it may seem like a a bit of a strange choice. And I want to get your opinion here in a little bit on whether you think it'll have a positive, negative, or no impact at all on Etsy sellers. But it may seem like a strange choice until you actually look back at the history between Drew Barrymore and Etsy. And it turns out that they've been doing some stuff together for four or five years now. And way back during uh, the disease that shall not be named in early 2020, they did some things with her. They had her promote a few different things, but she is now what they're calling the chief gifting officer. And it's really just a fancy way of saying that she's the spokesperson for Etsy now, right? She's like the celebrity face of Etsy. But she has said repeatedly over the last four or five years how much she loves Etsy, how much she loves the creativity and the uniqueness of the things on the site. So if you're going to pick a celebrity spokesperson for your company, she's probably the right person to do it because she's been on the record for the last four or five years talking about how much she loves the site, how much she loves the uniqueness, how much she loves the ability to find what she's looking for within the Etsy ecosystem, and then pairing that with gift mode, which is what Etsy really seems to be pushing as their, uh, their stake in the ground, right? Their thing that will help them stand out from all of the competition that has popped up in the e-commerce world over the last few years. You know, it really just used to be Amazon and Etsy. And over the last few years, we've had some other people come in, Wish.com, Timu, Sheen, a bunch of these other websites that are taking small corners of the market and taking a little bit from Amazon, taking a little bit from Etsy. And Etsy's been looking for that way to stand out. They think gifting mode is that thing. So in addition to their big Super Bowl ad buy, they've brought on Miss Drew Barrymore to be that spokesperson. Now, Scott, I want to get your opinion on whether or not you think this is a, a good thing, a bad thing, a neutral thing. Just having a spokesperson in and of itself, I don't necessarily think brings in more traffic, which I guess would be the goal, but it's really couched in this gift mode, uh, gift wrap for lack of a better term. So what are your thoughts on having her specifically as Mm -hmm. kind of the face of this gift
0: mode? Well, no, I think number one, I think having a, a woman on there is a great idea. Um, because I think there's probably more women shopping on Etsy and there are men. So I definitely think it speaks to the women. I think she's just well liked too, from what I know, um, and respected. Um, but the way I look at this is like no other endorsement, right? Like, it's like, you're making Michael Jordan, Nike, right? Like to me, it's like, you're just putting a face to it to make Etsy cool. Right. To make Etsy the place to where you would now think of, oh, well, Drew Barrymore shops there. I should shop there. There must be good stuff there. So I'm curious to see how they're going to market Drew Barrymore other than just putting her on the website. Like, are they going to run commercials all the time? uh you know on tv not just super bowl cuz i don't even think the super bowl has her in it it doesn't i mean actually the super bowl commu- commercial was weird um which we should probably do a separate video watching the video and explaining what the heck is going on with that video um and if anybody's watched that video and, and put that in the comments let let us know what you thought of the super bowl commercial if you've already watched it which i'm kind of surprised that they leaked it out and and kind of shared it because i mean Why wouldn't you just wait? Everybody kind of waits to see what's happening there, but let's kind of move on here from that. My thought is, yeah, I think it's a good move. I think that they do need someone like a Drew Barrymore to be a face, uh, you know, kind of like a, a Joanne Gaines, if you will, right. That's getting a good, you know, publicity. Um, and I just think that she's well-liked and I do think it will probably help bring, uh, people over to shop for those unique type of gifts. And that's, I think, what they're going after.
1: Yeah, and I think I think this falls in the same line. And I think the the line that I've seen a bunch of different places, be it the, the seller community, Facebook groups, even comments on this channel, people are asking, Scott, is this a good investment of money? $7 million sounds like a lot of money for a Super Bowl ad. Plus, I don't think Drew Barrymore is doing this out of the goodness of her heart. She could be, but there's a really high chance that they're giving her a couple bucks to be able to do this. So. What do you say to the argument that Etsy uh, Etsy needs to focus more on sellers and less on the traffic side of this, which really seems to be their big push this year? You know, They had some of the, the rogue AI stuff happen at the end of 2023. They had some issues with sellers. Their focus in 2024 really seems to be on pushing gift mode, pushing more traffic to the site. And it seems like they're spending a good chunk of their budget to do that rather than some of the things that sellers would Probably want to see. So what are your thoughts on whether they're striking that balance well? And is this a good use of, you know, a, a big chunk of change?
0: Yeah, no, I, I do think it's, I definitely think it's worth it. I don't know that the commercial was worth it, you know, and I think we should probably do a reaction video to it. Cause I think we, we both had some thoughts on it. And uh, I think that showing that they're putting money into the platform, I think is a good thing. I think it shows that they believe in the platform and they do want to make the platform more hip, if you will, like more mainstream. They want it to be more of a conversation uh, amongst more people that are gifting that are. And again, it's looking like they want to be known for the gifting platform. Like that's what they're positioning themselves. But do I think it's worth the money? I do. I do think it's worth the money. And I know a lot of people say, well, why don't they put more money in? to things that can help us sell more. They're doing pretty good there too, you know? And I know people would probably argue that point, um, but I look at it like, listen, you're on a platform that you're not having to technically pay for a Super Bowl ad. You don't have to pay for all those ads they ran leading up to Christmas, right? They're just bringing people over to the platform, but you're on the platform and you're not paying a dime for that. Now, if you're running Etsy ads, are you paying for that? Yes, but that's not necessarily them bringing over just normal organic, you know, traffic coming over to the shop. So we're over to the platform. So I'm a fan. I, I don't know that the dollars are, are spent the best with the commercials that they're running. Um, I think the ones around the holiday were pretty good. Uh, cause it was all about like that person, like your dad's a woodworker. So they're like, you know, what could I get them? And, and they were playing like a, I forget what the jingle was, but they were something that everyone knows. Um, so I think it's good. Uh, I just think that they could do a better job with the commercials themselves. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think showing that they're, they're trying to invest in the platform is, is a good thing for all of us.
1: Well, I think that I think it's just the dollar amount that has everybody kind of weirded out. Like, I didn't see anybody complain about the holiday ads, but I guarantee you that ad spend, right? That ad buy for Etsy was probably around the same dollar amount, if Mm -hmm. not more than what they're spending on a Super Bowl ad. But when you say $7 million to somebody, you're like, oh my God, that's a lot of money. One, it's a small percentage of what Etsy actually makes in a year, right? And two, you also have to consider the scale of this. Right. The Super Bowl is probably the most watched live sports event. And I'd have to pull up the the stats to actually back this up. But it's hundreds of millions of people. And the argument that we got when they first announced the Super Bowl commercial was, but that those aren't Etsy customers. And I have two things to say to that. First, if you look at who actually watches the Super Bowl, it's pretty balanced, especially this year, uh with the chiefs being in the super bowl, this is not going to, uh, to go well into the future, right? But in 2024, the chiefs are in the super bowl. Who is Scott consistently associated with the chiefs? That would be a draw to who Etsy is trying to target as their ideal cover. Uh, not drew Barrymore, Mm. but miss Taylor Swift is probably going to be at the super bowl cheering on Travis Kelsey, who plays for the chiefs in case you're not an American football fan, right? They are supposedly some sort of a thing, uh, you know, whatever, but she'll be there. So that'll draw in a lot of younger viewers. But even without that, you're looking at like a 60, 40 split between men and women who buys gifts, everybody Etsy's goal with this ad, just like with everything else, it seems that they're doing this year is really to push that gift mode to become the go-to place for whatever gift you have to buy, be it Valentine's day, 4th of July, Christmas birthdays, whatever. If that's their goal, then this is potentially a good use of that money. The question then becomes, what is the long-term benefit of that, right? Every ad buy seems like a good idea until you get the numbers back, or it seems like a terrible idea until you get the numbers back. So we have to wait and see what the return on that investment is. I'm not against it, other than the fact that I don't really like the ad itself. And like you said, we'll probably have to dive in and and do a React video on that just because it, uh, it seems a little odd, but odd might work, right? So we'll have to wait and see. I don't think Etsy is just lighting this advertising budget on fire and forgetting about sellers. Again, it's a very small fraction of Etsy's overall marketing budget, much less their overall income. And it's their way to make a, uh, for lack of a better term, Scott, a big stink about something new to the platform. And then following that up with whatever they're going to be doing moving forward with Drew Barrymore. I think there's potentially a really good move there for them if their goal is to try to become the go-to place for gifting.
0: Cool. All right. Let's, uh, do some questions here, Chris. I've got about 12 minutes. So if we can knock some stuff out here in 12 minutes, um, make sure that we, uh, that we get our backstage pass club members taken care of first, and then we will move into, if we have time, uh, we'll answer some of the other questions.
1: Yeah. So let's start with Ms. Lisa Martin. When you're running ads, do you compete on an ad space like Google? Does more money spent per day get better placement or more often? So two different questions there, Lisa. First, if you are running ads on Etsy, that has nothing to do with offsite ads, which is what you would be talking about there. Etsy goes ahead and they have a marketing team that buys ads on every other network, Facebook, Google, all of those kinds of places for you. So they will do that whether or not you're spending money on Etsy ads, unless you go in and turn that feature off, which is only available if you sell less than $10,000 a year through the platform. In terms of more money spent per day and getting better placement, the answer there is it depends, right? If you're hitting your budget and you increase your budget, then you will continue to get more placements. If you are not hitting your budget, then increasing your budget won't do anything to change that because you have a traffic problem, not a demand problem or not a budget problem rather. So I hope that answers your question. Sue Scott wanted to know how important are photos? What are the, the things that photos have an effect on?
0: Yeah, no, photos are huge when we're talking about getting your clicks. So you have to imagine, right? Like people do a search and then they see all of the images number one, what catches their eye and then what makes them want to click on yours. So your image is a huge component to getting what we call click-through rate. Um, And it's also really important when you're running Etsy ads. And the cool thing is, is you can see in your Etsy ads, you can see, okay, this is how many impressions I got, how many views I got. And then I can see how many led to clicks? And then we can start to see if it's resonating with the person that's doing the searches. And I think that's really, really important, even if all you're running ads for is to see how well your image converted to a click. Um, and then that will improve your organic stuff as well. So, yeah, it's really important. And I think that's one of the main things that I would focus on um, besides your title. Um, but your images, because that's what's going to lead to the click, which is going to get people into your listing.
1: And then on the back end of that, it leads to that increase or decrease in conversion rate when they start to look at the title and go, does this make sense with what I was looking for? Yep. Right. It's exactly what we were talking about earlier in terms of the mock-up stuff. Our friend Fatty Pancake says, if a product is getting a ton of clicks and your ad spend is very high, but the product has little to no sales, would you turn that ad off? It depends. It depends. So the question... (laughs) The the question really is, is your ad spend optimized? Are all of those clicks for relevant keywords? And if they are for relevant keywords and you're not getting sales, then we have some sort of a listing problem. If they're not for relevant keywords, then we need to go in, trim those out, sculpt those keywords like we've talked about in the past. And then if we just can't make it work, no matter what we do to the listing, then yeah, consider removing that because we're not fans of just lighting money on fire, even though we are potentially fans of the the $7 million uh, Super Bowl ad buy that Etsy did, you know, We'll, we'll wait to judge that, right? But they're doing the same thing that we're doing with Etsy ads. We say, let's spend five bucks on it and see what happens. They're just doing it at a much bigger scale. So it's not necessarily that we're just gonna come in and turn it off. We have to check, are the, is the traffic relevant? And then what do we wanna do about it?
0: Yeah, and just one thing real quick. Um, Fatty Pancake um, is one of our Etsy shop audits that's gonna be happening here, I believe in like two weeks. Hers is gonna be airing. Um, we just did that with her. Um, one of our Backstage Pass club members. If you want to become a club member, just go to brandcreators.com forward slash club or click the join button on the, um, YouTube side of things. Um, but what I would say here with uh fatty pancake as well is if you want to shoot us over some of those numbers, Chris and I talked about possibly doing, um, even just a review of an Etsy ads situation, which this might be a good one to kind of do it as an explainer. We'll probably share it inside of the backstage Pass club first, and then we may air it. Um, later. But if you would want to submit that, just send us over, send us an email and um, support at brandcreators.com with whatever screenshots that you have. And we can dig in and maybe we can actually use that as a piece of training as well.
1: Uh, She said, we'll do, do you want me to post it to the Facebook page? No, send it to support at brandcreators.com. That way you don't have to share it publicly (laughs) until you're ready to do that. Uh, But that'll come right to me. And then Scott, Scott and I can set that up. Maybe we'll put it in a fancy little slide deck Uh, so that we can screen share that with everybody. Uh, Scott, would you please do a training on email marketing with Facebook ads to build an email list? Most sellers do not know how to do this right. So for people who are looking for that, is there a way for them to get a training on how to build an email list?
0: Yeah, there's a couple. Um, One is if you want our free guide, um, it's our playbook um, for email marketing. And part of that is building the list. If you just drop email in the comments, you can get access to that. Um, now we do have a paid training that walks you through exactly what you're saying, like how to build a list. And we use what we call the fishbowl method, which is basically doing a giveaway. It makes sense. Trust me. Um, and what we do is we do run Facebook ads over to a, uh, basically a giveaway, um, for some of our products. And we do that over a certain period of time. And then we build the list and then we import those into Everbee email. Um, we basically did a full training and a, a, a live case study of us building a list from scratch. Um, so Chris, how do they get that one? I believe that was just putting fishbowl in the comments, fishbowl. Yep. So yes, yeah, if you want, uh, to get that training, um, if you want information about it, cause it is a paid training, it's under a hundred bucks. Um, yeah, if you put in fishbowl. Um, we can go ahead and make sure that we send you over um, that, okay? Um, But that's what we call our our one-day email list. That's our training for that because literally you can start building your email list in one day once you get this set up.
1: The command center says, I have a 3D print shop focused on wooden train adapters. The niche would be children and pretend to play. Would children's room decor be a shoulder niche, potentially, because your your niche there is not train adapters, your niche there is children or children's entertainment or mm-hmm. creating cool experiences, right? And so there, there would be nothing wrong in my mind with including some room decor as long as it plays with the other things that you have in the shop. So maybe you start with some train themed things or some other, you know, common things that would be associated with trains and see what happens. Uh just stay away from the super obviously copyrighted stuff like Thomas the Tank Engine. Right? <laughs> so okay. stay away from those. Uh can we edit our internal email triggers after we set them up, Scott?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually there's a little a little uh trick, a little hack if you will. Um but on the uh abandoned carts, uh the add to carts that uh people don't continue with, you know, the abandoned carts as we call them. Um, if you go in there and you turn that off uh, and then you turn it back on and you reset it with a different uh coupon amount or discount amount, um, it'll ask you if you want that to be sent out or to be notified to your last 90 days worth of customers um, or potential customers. Um, so that's a little trick there. It's a little checkbox. Um, so that's something that i would definitely do and periodically i'd be doing that anyway so i can get that past 90 day reach cuz if someone if someone added something to the cart 90 days ago they probably forgot about it and even if you sent the email already or the 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 message already they probably forgot about it right so if you did it again there's another chance that they would receive that and remind them and potentially they would buy it
1: East Coast Troy said, I've heard some shops offer low-priced item like a $1 or $2 decal or a digital download to help boost total sale numbers. Does that help you boost your shop within the algorithm? So generally speaking, your shop is not going to be the thing that's the most important thing in the algorithm. It's going to be the individual listing. So yes, they do give some weight to this. But this is not something I would necessarily advocate for. Um, if you have a lower price product that makes sense in your niche and it's something you want to sell, go for it. But I mm-hmm. wouldn't be trying to sell a $2 sticker to get an SEO boost. That's just quite frankly, a waste of your time, right? There's a lot better ways that you can, that you can do but that, that could be be, by creating better selling listings. Go ahead.
0: But that could be a good opportunity to get someone in the door so we can build the email list we could sell them more things in the future. So if you were in the bass fishing niche and you had a bass fishing sticker and you're selling it at a low price, you might not make a lot of money on that, but it it leads people into the shop where then they could buy the sweatshirt, the tumbler, you know, the pillow, you know, the throw pillow, the the yard flag, like whatever. Um so that is that's a strategy I like, but I don't necessarily think ramping up your sales is going to ramp up all of your listings.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it it comes down to intention, right? If we're doing this to try to boost the rankability of our other listings, that's not where we're gonna get the best bang for our buck out of this. If we have a lower price product that we can use to bring in people who are interested in a specific niche, then we can turn those people into long-term customers and the SEO side of this doesn't play into it. I've seen people including digital downloads on their physical print listings. Do you know if this is legal within Etsy? So typically you can't have two different product types in the same listing unless something changed. And I missed that. Mm. What you might be referring to is like a bonus and I don't have anything wrong with giving them a bonus. No. Um, I don't, I don't have any issue with that. And he said, you know, maybe they're just trying to skirt around the rules to get, uh, an email. Yeah. And you know, if, if they have to give you their email to get the bonus, and you can do that within the terms of service, by all means, the way that would typically be fulfilled is in inside of Etsy Messenger afterward. Uh, MindMech said, your, your ad return is only a, a three to one ratio. Uh, what Etsy does not tell you is that they count your next sales from repeat buyers as an ad sale, only if it falls within the attribution window. So yeah. typically for their ads, they have a 30-day attribution window. Meaning if I click today, 30 days from now, I buy something that gets attributed back to ads, right? You'll see that with offsite ads and you can see that with some of of Etsy ads as well. Um, And in terms of the return on ad spend, it depends on what your margins are, right? Four to one is typically considered infinitely scalable. Meaning if you have 25% margins, you'd be break even or better on that. Uh, With our holiday spending, we came close to that 30 to 33% ratio. One, our margins are better than that. But two, even if we were break-even on that, we'd still be acquiring that customer. And we know that our customers buy again and again and again. So we would be okay with acquiring customers at a break-even or even potentially a small loss. Obviously, we yeah. don't want to light our shirts on fire, but there's nothing wrong with losing a dollar or two if we know they're going to come back and buy a $50 blanket or something down the road.
0: Well, but, but Chris, like to, to my point, like okay, so I sent out an email uh, the other day, one email brought in $400 sales. Uh, who's to say that didn't come from an Etsy ad that, that didn't make any money on that one, but it made it on this one, right? Like, so you have to look at further down the line and that's what a lot of Etsy sellers aren't doing. And it's not really their fault. They just don't understand the e-commerce side of things and the, you know, business side of things really. Um, it's just, you have to understand that, that we're looking for the long term, right? So I didn't spend any money to send that email. Well, I take that back. You know, it's part of my Everbe growth. So, you know, I spent twenty nine ninety nine for the entire growth package. Um, but that gives me the email side of things too. So I get product research, I got keyword research, um, you know, all of the other benefits that you get within Everbee, and I get the Everbe email. I sent out one email. I made back my thirty bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I'm going to send another one and. If I make another 400 bucks, there you go, right? So every time you press send, you're gonna make a little bit of money. So, yeah.
1: I think a lot of people get confused because we're not trying to make all of our money on Etsy ads and we talk about it's okay if you are break-even because we're using that approach. If we were using the general store approach, one, your margins are a lot smaller than what they are on the print-on-demand side or on the custom product side. And two, Uh, you lose out on that repeatability. So if if you're in that model, you do have to stick a lot more closely to making money, a lot of money, all of your money, basically on that first sale, because the chance that they're going to come back and buy anything from you again is so low. Uh, White Gold Yellow said, I saw an Etsy guru saying that having any listings outside of Etsy, for example, on their Shopify store really hurt her business and not to do it. Any thoughts? Um, There's zero reason why that would impact your on Etsy business. The only time that that would have any impact on that is if all of her traffic was coming from Google search results and her Shopify site happened to outrank the Google search result or Mm -hmm. Scott, potentially she's running Google ads to Shopify and those are showing up in place of Etsy's offsite ads and all of her traffic was coming from offsite ads. The vast majority of traffic and sales on Etsy comes from within the Etsy ecosystem. Having a listing on Shopify somewhere else is not going to hurt your placement in Etsy's internal SEO algorithm. The only place it may change something slightly is within the Google or Bing or DuckDuckGo search results. That's not where the vast majority of Etsy's traffic is coming from. It's people going to Etsy.com, using the search and finding you from there. So I, I would not worry about that. I would be curious uh, if you want to send us that video, because I I would be curious who the shop is and, and to do a little bit of a deep dive uh, into that, just to look to see what the problem might be, but it's not just because they happen to have an external website. Uh, Amanda, right, Chris,
0: Chris, we got to call We got to call a timeout here pretty soon, man. I got to go. I got to run. Um, yeah. I think so, we, had,
1: we had two more here, but if you want right,
0: to, if you can knock through them real quick, yeah. we got to do them. And then I got to wrap her up.
1: Amanda, in terms of the the ups that we were talking about, she said, "Can you leave the new changes up and put up another listing with the last photos in it?" Do not do that. There's zero reason to create duplicate listings. All you're doing is splitting traffic. Is it a terms of service violation? Technically, no. Etsy does allow you to create more than one listing for the same product. There's zero reason to do this. You can just look at the numbers and split test within that listing, and then you're not splitting the traffic and splitting the SEO juju uh, that Etsy's giving you. Yeah, like uh, and then. The last one that I had here was from FreeHQ Nature Scenes. I just opened up a shop on Etsy last week and it got suspended the first day. What's your advice? Should I stick to it or open another one? So this is something that happens all the time. It's not something to be worried about. New shops are very often suspended while Etsy verifies all of the payment details and all of the, the facts that you are able to sell where you are in the world and all of those kinds of things. Give it a few days and just kind of let it sit. Don't uh, don't fire off a bunch of angry emails. Don't do any of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Why they allow you to create the shop and then review it, I don't know, but it is a fairly common thing. And Scott, I know it's something that, that pops up all the time. So I wanted to address that one before yep. we jumped off here today. Yeah,
0: I mean, that the, the big thing there is your banking a lot of times. Just make sure that your banking's correct, but a lot of times it's them verifying the stuff, right? Like the banking, your address, like things like that. So just make sure that, you have all that stuff correct and then just like sit and yeah maybe reach out to him and say hey what's going on you know i just opened my shop like what's wrong like why did i get suspended um but pretty much it's a, it's a little bit of a waiting game there so it's very very common to let that or to have that happen all right guys and just to let you guys know i i, I wasn't being rude like getting out of here i i literally have to take my daughter to beach volleyball so i want to be a good dad and i want to make sure she's on time um so with that all being said we covered a lot we got a lot more Things going on here that uh, I'm super excited about. One of them is our Etsy shop audits. Um, There's a new one that's going up tomorrow. That's Thursday, depending on when you're watching this. Um, So the second one will be going up, but we're batch recording these in advance. We've already got about five or six other ones done. Um, And we're going to be doing another private recording session here in another couple of weeks. If you'd like to be part of our Backstage Pass Club, where you can sit in on these batch recordings, well, just go over to brandcreators.com forward slash club, and you can do that. You can sign up for under 10 bucks and you can ask questions. We answer a ton of questions there as well. So if you want to be part of those private batch recording sessions for the Etsy shop audits, go ahead and uh, join us. We'd love to have you. Um, any of the resources that we talked about, we'll try to drop them in the description. And if there's any of the guides that you would like us to send you, we have the ads guide. We have the SEO guide. Uh, we also have the roadmap. We have a hundred K roadmap that we documented our roadmap that we did to get to hundred K. If you'd like that hundred K, put that in the comments and we'll make sure that you get a copy of that. All right. So next week we are going to be doing, well, some email saw some comments in there and people saying, Hey, can you teach us some email stuff? Yeah. Next week, we're going to be focusing on a little bit of what we talked about, but we're going to go deeper. And, uh, we're going to share with you, um, the email that I wrote and that I sent out that generated 400 bucks, one email. And we're going to talk about how we can build that email list using a variety of different resources. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Make sure if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're subscribed to the podcast. And until next time, guys, take care, take action, have an awesome, amazing day. And we'll see you right back here in the next episode. Take care, guys.